Today's scripture reading is from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 to 31. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary, and they shall walk and not be faint. This is the word of our Lord. Well, good morning. I am the aforementioned, very trustworthy Jace that you got to hear about during announcements. Uh, before I call more attention to that, I'd like to say good morning to those that are following us online right now. Uh, welcome to service, and uh, hopefully this is an enjoyable time for you. Now back to Nathan. Nathan's sitting right here in the front row, and, and here's what I, I need you to help me out with a few things. First of all, he did a great job doing announcements. Why don't we give him a big round of applause? Now that we've got that over with, I want you all to now wave to Nathan. Everyone give him a nice wave, yes. Because tonight, as Nathan lays his head on his pillow, I want the last thought in his mind to be, were they waving hi to me, or were they waving bye to me? Oh, I'm not a man that makes threats. And I'm not certainly one that's ever trying to get even with people. Actually, no, I get ahead. Oh, just, just remember that. Just remember. All right, let's, let's get to what's actually on my notes now. Uh, I'm the youth pastor here on staff and am, am just very blessed to be here and very blessed to be standing here uh, this morning with you all. Uh, if you have just enjoyed this series, this God's Amazing Promises series, would you make a joyful noise right now? What a great... What a great series it's been. What a relief that as, as we read through the Bible and as we grow in a relationship with our Lord and Savior, we learn more and more every day that the Bible is not just this, this book of rules. And our God is not just like a police chief up in the sky waiting for us to make mistakes so that he can get us in trouble and make us feel bad. No. Actually, the Bible is the greatest love story ever told and ever given to us. Yes, every word pointing toward Jesus and pointing toward our need for a Savior. I love that as we read through Scripture and, and week after week, we have discovered promise after promise after promise meant for us. Meant for us in the present. Meant for us in the future. Promises that uplift us. Promises that encourage us, and as we talked this morning, promises that help keep us from quitting when life gets tough. It would be wrong if I didn't mention uh, the fact that this weekend is Memorial Day weekend. Now, I don't believe it's the church's role to, to mention every major American holiday, uh, but it is important to note that the sacrifices that our servicemen and women have made over the years have greatly contributed to the freedoms that we enjoy in America today, specifically our religious freedom. So yes. 
It also fits well into our sermon title, When You Feel Like Quitting. As much as it saddens me that so many men and women have given their lives for this country, I'm glad that each of those soldiers had a never quit mentality when it came to what they were fighting for. So as you go about the rest of this weekend, please say a prayer for those that have given their lives for us and say a prayer for their families that have been affected by that loss as well. On that note, why don't we pray together right now? God, thank you so much for this amazing morning. Thank you for just all these, these bright, smiling faces here. Thank you for those that are online with us now. What a gift it is to be able to come together and worship together and read your word together, express our beliefs together freely. Lord, let us not take that for granted. Let us, on especially this weekend, remember that so much blood was spilled. So many lives were lost so that we would have this opportunity. Let us never forget. God, in this moment too, I also want to lift up so many hurting families in Texas right now. What a horrible thing that happened this last week. So much loss, so much pain. God, bring a level of comfort to those families that, that only you can bring. We ask that you would uplift them in, in a whole new way. God, be with us now as we get into your word, as we talk about quitting. It's a, it's a hard subject for so many of us. God, I ask that you would just speak through me. I would love to just be a vessel for you on this morning. We love you. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Can I start by saying something that you've probably never heard before? Something that's just going to blow your mind when I say it? <clears throat> Life can be hard sometimes. There. I got it out. I'm glad, you know, you guys were all going, whoa, really? Yeah, life can be hard sometimes. Odds are high that at least once in your life, you will be hit with circumstances that will just leave you worn out. They'll leave you weary and exhausted. Perhaps there are people, perhaps there are situations that are so difficult for you that you feel like you, you, you can't even breathe. Like, I can't even control my breathing right now. I, I can't even control my emotions right now. I'm overwhelmed by anxiety. Other feelings that might arise might be, this is too big for me. I'm overwhelmed. This feels hopeless. I'm powerless. I'm broken. Circumstances can rise up in, in just about any situation in your life that can just make things difficult. Maybe your initial reaction to something difficult is just kind of that typical eye roll, like, oh, here we go. Maybe it's that audible sigh, like, <sighs> or maybe... Maybe it's that word that my wife says to me four or five times a day. Really. <laughs> She's watching right now, so at least I hope she is. Uh, probably going, really? You had to say that? Yeah. But from time to time, things could get so difficult that you move past some of those reactions and you actually get to the point that you just want to pack up, walk away, and quit. If you've ever gotten to that point before, I want to tell you right here, right now, you are not alone. I can guarantee you that many of us in this room, myself included, have had that point at least once in whatever situation that is, whether it's big, whether it's small. And, and that's an interesting one because we all have our own definition of big problems and we all have our own definition of small problems. So I would never ever step on your own personal definition or tell you that your problem is big or your problem is small, but I can tell you that we've all gotten to the point where we have felt like quitting before. 
Okay, so we started off heavy. We started off with some of those heavy emotions. Now I want to take you to something light. Here's a, here's a very small and lighthearted example for you as we talk about this subject of quitting. Uh, if you don't mind back there, throw that picture of Jace 2009. Circa 2009 right now. Now, look, look at, look at that, that young man right there. And first of all, let's observe some of the similarities between Jace 2009 and Jace 2022. First of all, still just classically handsome. Just, you know, just kind of those, those boyish good looks that are, that are very likely going to follow me for, for the rest of my life. Um, now let's look at some of the differences. That hairline. What was once firm and unwavering is now well on its way to Pastor Ray territory. Oh, but I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Pastor Ray is watching right now. Hi. Uh, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's, it's a journey that we're on right now. Here's another difference. I used to be built like an uncooked piece of angel hair pasta. Now I'm built like a dented soup can. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. This, my body's a temple. And I fill it with lots of bacon. So, but enough of my body issues. Let's focus on the insanity of running a half marathon. Any, any, any long distance runners in here that we need to make fun of right now? Oh, it's just a couple of, yeah, I do that. Uh, long story short, I just got my first internship in ministry. I was 18 years old uh, in college, just starting to learn the ministry ropes. And like all first-timers in their first-time job, I mean, go, go back and remember your first job. You want to impress the boss. You want to work hard. You want to get that raise. You want to you get promotions. Uh, and you will do anything to make the boss happy. So my first boss comes to me and says, Jace, I have an idea. Maybe we can, we can bond together over this. Would you like to run a half marathon with me? Even in college, I, I wasn't a runner. Um, I, you know, I'd get tired running to the refrigerator. Uh, but I, I, I said, just before I could even think, just enthusiastically said, yes, I would love to run this half marathon with you uh, so we can bond in this way. And as I thought about it, I go, really, how hard can it be running a half marathon? I mean, step one, start running. There is no step two. You, you, you just, you know, no, no, no. I, 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 decided, I decided to train, and I ran for weeks and weeks, and I, I built myself up to where I could run several miles and do it. So I sign up, and we go to this race, and let me tell you, that day started off great. That day started off really great. In fact, I ignored the announcement at the front end where they said, uh, at every mile, there will be uh, golf carts and an ambulance available uh, if you need to quit and you need a ride to the end. I just breezed right through that announcement and I started running. And let me, I did nine, nine minute miles. I was just cooking through this race, no problem at all. But rolling into mile 10, my body decided that it was done running. And, and it started to let me know in very violent and painful ways. Uh, for those of you who have ran or have gotten tired running, maybe you run to the store you know, in your car, but you're like, oh, I'm sore. Uh, it started here, it started in the quads. The quads, you know, they just locked up and quit. So I go, okay. Who needs quadriceps anyway? I'll just run straight-legged and put all the pressure on my hamstrings for the rest of this race. About eight steps later, the hamstring said, hey, we're in with the quads now. We're out. <laughs> they lock up. 
And all of a sudden I go, all right, who needs, you know, the very center of your body to run? I'll just go brain to calves and feet. Four steps later, the calves said, hey, we heard there's a barbecue, we're out. Like, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're taking off too. And they lock up and they're done. So now it's down to just me and my trusty toes. And it doesn't last. So I end up veering off the road. And I actually just lay on the sidewalk for a couple minutes. I'm trying to stretch. I'm trying to just will moisture into my legs so that I can keep going. And I realize after a couple minutes of sitting there, and I'm about 50 yards away from the next mile marker, and there's an ambulance sitting there, and there are golf carts sitting there. And I had seen other people actually get picked up and, and get taken off, and, and I, you know, up to that point, I, I was never even going to consider that. But now I was in a moment. Do I need to hobble over to this ambulance and quit? Or do I need to get up and keep running and finish this race? Now, I am proud to tell you that I rode these toes all the way to the finish line, not in an ambulance, all right? But my nine-minute pace went up to about 19 minutes for, for, for the rest of that race. And I decided as I crossed that finish line that there would be no more half marathons in my future. The closest I get to a marathon now is every four years of Summer Olympics, I'll flip through, boy, those people are fast, and then, you know, find gymnastics next or something. But we may not have running a half marathon in common, but we probably have the desire to quit in common, whether it's a race, whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship, or many other things, we've had that desire before. And the question is, in that moment, what should I do when I feel like quitting? And we'll answer this question using a, a classic passage from Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, in fact, fun fact, Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 was the verse that was imprinted on my very first Bible cover uh, when I was a kid. So it was, it was fun when Pastor Ray asked me to preach on this passage and I, I told him that story and he said, well, do you still have that Bible cover? And I said, no, I'm not a hoarder. You know, I, 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 you, know you, you, you move on from things like that. But, but I, I love this verse. I love this passage, but before we dive in, it's very important, just like what Pastor Ray talked about last week, it's very important that we examine the text around the passage and we look at the overall context of the passage and we assign the correct context. Always a good idea. And the way that I learned in Bible college was if you're going to start with, with just a simple contextual overview, you want to look at the who, the what, the where, the when, and the why of that passage, and then you can start to break it down. It's a very valuable part of the observation and interpretation part of examining scripture. And I will just caution you, don't just jump right to the application part when you're reading scripture. Because if you just start randomly reading anywhere in the word and then you just start picking out what you want to get out of it, uh, that, that, that's a dangerous path to be on. So make sure you always take the time and put what you're reading into the appropriate context. So as we look at the book of Isaiah, let's look at the who. This one's a simple one. The prophet Isaiah, he writes the book of Isaiah. What is the big idea? Well, the big idea is God is my salvation. And you'll find that in chapter 12, verse 2. 
The where and the when of this book, well, it's in Judah from 739 to 681 BC. And Isaiah actually served under the reign of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, and Manasseh. Oddly enough, you'll find none of those names in the top 100 baby names of 2022. <laughs> Finally, why so important? Well, the two major themes of Isaiah are judgment and hope. The nation of Israel was in one of many cycles of bad behavior. If you've spent any time in the Old Testament, you know that God's chosen people, just generation after generation after generation, were up and down. They're, they're following God and following his commands, and things are good, but they turn, they worship other idols, things are bad, punishment comes, redemption comes. It's, it's, it's this cycle. So Israel is in some of these cycles. So Isaiah, he actually takes a good chunk of his own book, the first 39 chapters, and he talks about the punishment. He talks about the exile that's coming on multiple layers with multiple enemies. But then starting in chapter 40, he prophesies change. And he prophesies, and part of that is he prophesies a king that is coming that would save the people from themselves. Yes, Isaiah contains many messianic prophecies, many prophecies that point to Jesus. In fact, just a few examples. Uh, the virgin birth uh, in chapter 7, verse 14. Uh, his proclamation of the good news in chapter 61, verse 1. Uh, his sacrificial death is talked about uh, throughout chapters 52 and 53. His return to claim his own in chapter 60, verses 2 and 3. Now, like I said, the first 39 books of the, or first 39 chapters of the book are focused on the judgment part. Waves of bad guys are coming in to cut you down to size. But chapters 40 through 66 are more focused on the hope and the salvation part. And it fits really well into today's topic as we wrestle with this question, what do we do when we feel like quitting? And if, at this point, if there's anyone that should feel like quitting, it's the nation of Israel. Because of their own actions, they've been in exile for a long, long time. But now Isaiah is writing his message of hope, and he rightly opens up chapter 40 with words of comfort, words of wisdom, and words about the greatness of God. And he solidifies the fact that the word of God will stand forever. In fact, he takes the first 26 verses of this chapter to magnify eight different attributes of God's character. And these are a lot of your, your, your fill-ins in your bulletin. So let's walk through these attributes again as we're building up our contextual readiness to look at our passage today. We're going to fly through these. Some of these I'll have some notes for. Some I'll just give you the fill in the blank and I'll trust you to read on your own time this week. But starting in verses 1 and 2... Isaiah starts writing about the mercy of God. That's our first attribute. And let me say, as, as, as you're writing that down real quick, Isaiah is very purposeful as he's writing out these, these eight attributes. He is, he is building a strong case for the Lord. Because as we heard earlier, as John did such a great job reading for us, in verses 27 and 28, Isaiah is addressing questions that the people in the nation of Israel are having. So as he gets to these questions, before he does that, he needs to build the case for God. Let me tell you all about God. And then how could you even ask questions like this? We'll get to it. So first of all, his mercy, comfort, comfort my people, says 
your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Her iniquity is pardoned. The time of punishment and exile is coming to an end. Even though your sins over the generations warrant lots of punishment, there is mercy to be given here. Raise your hand if you've ever sinned and you're in need of God's mercy. Anybody not raising? You know, if you see someone not raising their hand right now, you have my permission to use your raised hand and smack them and <laughs> call them an unworthy sinner. No, I don't do that. Huh? We are all in need of God's mercy, myself included. Verses 3 through 5, his glory his glory. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all the flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is actually a prophecy that points to someone in the New Testament. Who is this prophecy pointing toward? Who do we? John the Baptist, that, that voice in the wilderness crying out, laying the path for the Lord and the glory of the Lord that shall be revealed through them. So glory right there. Next up in verses 6 through 8, his eternality. The fact that he is forever and ever. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. He is forever and ever. Now this is a tricky one for us, because so much of what we do operates around time, 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 time. Go, go, go. Be on time. Don't be late. We're out of time. Time to go. As Maverick says in the new Top Gun, time is our greatest enemy. We had a date night a few nights ago and that line stuck in my head. Oh. <laughs> the reality, though, is that we are more like grass. We are more like flowers, as Isaiah says. We weren't designed to last forever. God, however, he operates outside of what we know as time and he reigns eternally. Amen. This one is especially comforting for when we feel like quitting because a lot of times we feel like we're just in this never-ending cycle of pain. We're in this never-ending cycle of, of hurt and, and anxiety and loss. But the reality is our temporary pain pales in comparison to the never-ending awesomeness that is our God. Next up in verse 11, his gentleness, his gentleness. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. 
If this doesn't encourage you, if this doesn't, this doesn't pick you up when you're feeling down or feeling like quitting, I don't know what will. When life gives you a situation that, that makes you want to pack it up and quit, when you're, when you're hurting so badly and, and, and it, the, the feelings are so intense and there's seemingly no cure, God is there to hold you close. And even though he's holding you tightly, it couldn't feel more gentle than in that very moment. What an encouragement to parents as well in this verse. He will gently lead those that are with young. As a parent of three, I constantly make mistakes. Uh, as a parent of three, uh, I have many moments where I feel like I do not know what to do. And in those moments, when my wife isn't there to tell me what to do, it's nice to know that the Lord is with me and will gently lead me and guide me in those moments. And the same goes for all parents in this room. We're going to fly through the rest of these I would again encourage you to read these on your own time, but in verses 10, 12, and 26, we read about his omnipotence. God is all-powerful. That's what we read about in those verses. In verses 13 and 14, we read of his omniscience. He is an all-knowing God. In verses 15 through 17 and 21 through 24, we read about his sovereignty. Isaiah talks about his sovereignty, his supreme power and authority. In verses 18 through 20, we read of his uniqueness. He truly is one of a kind. Now I get it. Some of you are probably in the middle of a really hard situation right now. And, and you might be sitting out there, you might be listening right now going, okay, Jace, this is, this is all well and good. We've, we've examined a few attributes of God, but I'm not really, not really feeling better right now. I understand what's happening, but I'm not really feeling better. Some of you might actually be thinking, and I wrote some of these down. Some of you might be thinking, if I can just grin and bear it, this storm will blow over. How about this? This isn't my fault. Or this. They need to see me for who I really am and then they'll get me. And lastly, where does God even fit into my issues? Does he even care about my problems? You notice a theme in any of these statements? A lot of, a lot of personal pronouns being used. A lot of I, a lot of me. And a lot of my. As believers, we come closest to quitting or we actually do quit something when we get sucked into the idea that it's all about me. I'm not talented enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the right personality. You know, the list goes on and on when it comes to these I statements, these me statements, these my statements. It's when we get stuck in these I statements that we start to have an identity issue. For a non-believer who doesn't have the hope of Christ in them, this makes perfect sense. These thoughts actually kind of line up well. I must get through on my own power, my own sense of worth, my own work ethic, and my own strength. If I fail, there's no one to help me but myself. 
This all changes when, when Jesus becomes the center of our lives. It's no longer about our strength, our might, our talents, our abilities. It's about understanding that we can do all things through him who gives us strength. It's about understanding that we can do what we do because of what he does for us. When we come up short, we need to fervently ask him for help and know that he will fill in the gaps for us. So, when we feel like quitting, when we're struggling with the, the I in identity issues, here are three things to help you out. First point in your bulletin there, fix your eyes on your foundation. Remember that God knows, he cares, and he rules. We get this from verses 27 and 28 here in Isaiah chapter 40. Let's read those together. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. What Isaiah is saying is his purpose and his plan for you will not be thwarted. It's for your good and for his glory. Isaiah is saying, He's saying, pay attention to every attribute that I have just listed. Keeping this in mind, how could you even consider the fact that God has turned his back on you and forgotten you? He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get worn out. And he knows more than we could ever dream. Psalm 147.5 supports this and says, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. In this world, we, uh, we, we measure knowledge in many different ways. I mean, our measurement of knowledge starts when we're three years old and goes all the way up through school and work and everything in between. But his understanding is beyond measure. His knowledge is beyond measure. There is no test that God can take because he knows it all and more. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says this, And I am sure of this, that he who began a great work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The work has begun in us, and at no point is he going to turn his back on us. At no point is he going to forget us. Keep that in mind. Raise your hand if you kind of sort of know the story of Job from the Old Testament. That's, that's a popular one in the Old Testament. And it's, it's, it's one of the crazier stories. The first, first couple chapters in Job are, are, are just mind-blowing. What I want to do is I just want to horribly paraphrase uh, the beginning of the story of Job. And, and it, it points to our main point here. Uh, through a, su- a super fascinating conversation between Satan and God, God actually kind of brags about Job a little bit and says, Satan, you've, you've been all over the earth. Have you ever, you ever seen my, my servant Job? He is the man. He, he, he is blameless. He is upright. And he, he fears God and turns away from evil. Satan looks at God and goes, well, duh, you've given him everything. He, he's super rich. He's got lots of property. He's got lots of kids. He, he has everything. You've never tested him in any way. Why would, he, why would he waver in his faith? And God says, all right, I hear what you're saying. 
If you want to if you want to try your hand at hurting him, go right ahead. Just don't hurt his health. Satan goes big with this. He goes real big. And within a very short time, we see that the Sabaeans come and they steal all of Job's oxen and donkeys. And they kill all the servants involved there except one who can come and deliver the message. Right after that, a fire comes and destroys all of Job's sheep and all of the servants too, minus one who can come and deliver the message. Right after that, all of Job's sons and daughters happen to be dining in one house and a great wind comes up and takes out the house, killing all of Job's kids in one fell swoop, killing all the servants in there as well, except one who comes back and delivers the message. Through this, Job worshipped the Lord and did not sin against him. Satan and God, they convene once again, and Satan insists that if Job lost his health, he would lose his faith. So God gives Satan permission, but asks that Job's life be spared. Job is just instantly covered in these horrible boils and sores, and he's made to be so uncomfortable that only a piece of broken pottery that he uses to scratch himself gives him any relief. It gets so bad that Job's wife even steps up and said, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? Job's wife often gets a bad rap for this. And uh, while, while I hold, and we talked about this in staff meeting, while I hold to the fact that it's never okay uh, for any of us to say, curse God and die, uh, is it okay if we take a minute and, and just give some understanding to what Job's wife is going through right now? Um, it's one thing to take a, a woman's possessions. It's one thing to take wealth, property, that sort of thing. But to take all of her kids... That must have been horrible for her. And then to see her husband sitting there in such horrible pain, barely clinging to life and finding no relief. It's almost like she looks at Job and says, I'm actually going to give you permission to quit. I'm giving you permission as your wife to just die and be done. But through it all, Job did not sin with his lips. He kept his eyes focused on his foundation and understood that God knows, he cares, and he rules in the good times and in the bad. Uh, as you probably noticed, I brought a few illustrations with me here on stage. Uh, the first uh, thing I brought is a broom, and it's not because uh, this stage is filthy. It's actually a, a very nice and, and clean stage. But I brought it up here because uh, just for a moment, I want this broom to recognize or to represent all of the problems that we have in life. And I'm actually going to do a little bit of a balancing act here. This broom represents all the problems that we have in life. Now, a lot of times when we have issues in life, we focus on those I identity. What can I do? How can my power come through here? What are some things that I can do? And we start to look down at ourselves. And we try to balance all of life's problems using just our own power 
and our own ability and our own balance. And I'll try to show you that when we try to balance life's problems by looking down at ourselves, it is, it is, it is extremely difficult. And I'm doing this myself because if I break anything on stage, then I'll be the one paying for it. Uh, but you guys are welcome to come up and try this after service to, just so I can prove to you that if we try to do things on our own, it's impossible. We may be able to hold things together for a few seconds, but things will eventually crumble. But if we take all of life's issues and the problems that we have, and we're going to have them. I'm not saying we're not going to have problems. But if we take them and we look up and we keep our eyes focused firmly on our foundation, which is our Lord and Savior, then all of a sudden things are a little bit easier to balance during that time. Now, I'm not going to say it's perfect. I'm not going to say it's super simple because, again, we do have problems, but the balancing is a whole lot easier when we keep our eyes up on the Lord and keep our eyes fixed on our foundation. Yes. Again, you're welcome to try that after service. I only practiced it for 11 hours. Okay. Um, so that's our first point. Our second point, soak his power up like a sponge. Soak his power up like a sponge. We will dry out, we will rot, and we will quit without him. And we see this in verses 29 and 30 of Isaiah chapter 40. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted couple key observations from these verses right off the bat. We read that no one is exempt from pain. No one is exempt from hurt. No one is exempt from getting worn out. No one is exempt from wanting to quit. That is why everyone needs to turn to the Lord for power. That's why everyone needs to turn to the Lord for might. That's why everyone needs to turn to the Lord for strength. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, some words of Paul support this so well. And, and if you know anything about the writings of Paul, he, he writes kind of emotionally sometimes. And there are several times where he writes about pain that he has. He writes about thorns in his flesh that he has. And he'll ask God, if, if you can, take this from me. But there's other times when he's talking about his pain and his weakness, and especially here in 2 Corinthians 12, when he's talking about his pain, he actually talks about it as a good thing. So let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. He says, but he said to me, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Thank you. Paul has the audacity to say, for when I am weak, for when I feel like quitting, for when it seems like everything and everyone is against me, in those moments, God is actually stronger. Hmm. Good for us to hear, good for us to read, good for us to remember. 
Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 also says this, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. No matter what, he's there to strengthen us. He's here to help us. He's here to hold us upright. Colossians 1.11, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. I do have another uh, brief illustration to help uh, bring this one in. And of course, this goes right along with our point saying soak his power up like a sponge. Uh, this one's very simple. The sponge is us, and God's power is the water. Now, at this point in the illustration, all we're doing is wasting our time because there is a sponge and there is water, but there is no connection to it. In fact, what good is a sponge when it's completely dry like this? When you're doing a project at home or you need something cleaned up and you ask for a sponge... How would you react if someone just hands you this dry sponge? Because a sponge is only fulfilling its purpose when it's, when it's wet. When it's wet. When it's actually soaking stuff up. In fact, if a sponge stays out of the water for too long and is exposed to the elements and is exposed to life for too long, what happens to a sponge? It starts to break down. It starts to crack. It starts to fall apart. And we know that, especially here in Phoenix in this fiery death that we live in. All right? <laughs> These things will just disintegrate over time. Just like we will disintegrate over time if we don't soak up what God has for us. If we don't start taking in some of that power that God is so freely offering us and is so valuable to us even in the hardest times. When we soak it up, oh, now this sponge, now we are living out our purpose. This sponge is ready to live out its purpose by soaking up all that water. It's now ready to be useful. Keep that in mind. When you feel like you're running low, ask yourself this question, have I been soaking up God's power? Or have I just been sitting next to the source of God's power? Keep that in mind. Our third point today, our third point today, your final fill in the blank, resolve to crash through quitting points. And this is supported by verse 31 of Isaiah 40. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How can you not love this verse right here? Many a tattoo has been created from this verse. Many a social media post has been created from this verse. And all for good reason. First, we are told that those who practice waiting patiently on God's perfect timing, on God's perfect plan, will be rewarded. Those that remain firmly fixed in their foundation, those that are willing to soak up what God has for them, will have their strength renewed. With this renewed strength comes a certain sense of resolve. 
With this added power that we have, there's a certain sense of us finally being able to say, God is here. He is supplying the strength that I don't have. Let's do this. And all of a sudden, we feel like we can do anything. We can mount up with those wings. I love the progression of this verse at the end because first we see wings. Then we see the ability to run. And we end with the ability to walk. They that mount up with wings like eagles. Have you ever been so down and out, so hurt, so lost, so confused that you've just felt like you've hit rock bottom? I think a lot of us have had that, that rock bottom moment or moments in life. When you're at your absolute lowest, God promises to give you wings. No pit is too deep, no hurt is too intense, and you're never too lost for God to rescue you and give you wings to fly out of that low moment that you're in. Hopefully you're seeing the word picture that Isaiah is creating here. He will give you wings and take you out of your lowest moment. They shall run and not be weary. Maybe you're in the middle of a difficult and trying time, but you wouldn't go so far to say that you're at that rock bottom moment. Again, as I said at the very beginning of my sermon today, we all have our own definition and our own levels of pain and hurt and, and problems. But maybe you're kind of in that mid-level problem that you're hurting, but you're not quite at rock bottom. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe you've just lost your job. Maybe there's some family drama going on, some friend drama going on, and you're ready to just quit on that relationship. He will give you the strength to run and not grow weary. Boy, I could have used that during that half marathon years ago, the strength to just keep on running. Finally, they shall walk and not faint. Maybe there's just a lot of low-level stressors in your life right now that is starting to threaten to pile up. Maybe it's just a couple, three or four or five little things that if you don't address them now, they're going to become one or two or three big things. Maybe it's simple stuff like projects at home that are not progressing well and it's starting to put a little bit of stress and strain on your marriage. Maybe you just got that, that phone call that your identity has been stolen and now you have to you know, deal with the bank and get all that figured out. Low-level stressors like that. Maybe you're just having a hard time connecting with your kids on something that's important. Communication's not there. The respect isn't there. And you're just having a hard time with that connection. And that's stressing you out. Here's the promise. He will give you the strength to walk and not grow faint. Whether it's low-level stressors, whether it's those mid-level stressors, or it's that high-level rock-bottom type. He's with you in the big when all you want to do is quit, and he is with you in the small stuff as well. I would strongly encourage you, read Galatians 6.9, read 2 Corinthians 4.16, and read Lamentations 3.25 and 26 in your own personal time. Maybe if your group, your, your life group is getting together this week, read through these verses together and support each other in that way. I promise you cannot go wrong anytime you get into God's word together. But we must resolve to crash through quitting points. I'm going to land the plane with this. Uh, it, was <laughs> it was very interesting when, when Pastor Ray came to me and, 
And he's talking about this series, talking about God's amazing promises. And he says, Jace, I have, I have one in particular that I want you to teach. And, and it's about what should we do when we feel like quitting? What are the promises that God offers us when we feel like quitting? Because he knows that I have struggled with, with wanting to quit in the past. Uh, raise your hand if you remember the year 2020. <laughs> yeah, we tried to strike it from history, but... Uh, it, it, it remains a part of our memory. Uh, 2020 was a hard year for a lot of people. It was very hard for me and my family. Uh, I did have uh, a, a church ministry job starting that year. And of course, COVID hit. Uh, and we, we know everything that, that came with COVID. It affected every part of our lives. It affected, obviously, even how we attended church for quite a while. But in the midst of all uh, the, that COVID chaos, my wife and I got some very good news. We found out that she was pregnant. Uh, the, the, yeah, the pregnancy test came back, and we found out we were, we were having a child. Um, unfortunately, several weeks after we got uh, that amazing news, we found out that the pregnancy had ended in miscarriage. And so we're just rocked by, uh, by the hurt and the loss and the, the anguish that, that comes with that. Uh, just days after we got that news, uh, God made it abundantly clear that my time needed to be over at my current ministry job. A lot of circumstances happened, a lot of things went down, and God just made it very clear that my time in that job was over. And it, it was just such a horrible turn of events and just a horrible sequence and the way things went that I actually decided I'm not just going to quit this ministry job, I'm going to quit ministry, period. I'm, I'm done with this. I, I, need, I, need to, I need to leave church work. I need to get into the secular world where people are supposed to be mean, right? People are supposed to be kind of cutthroat. And people are saying, oh, yeah, people, you know, this is, I, I just, I'd rather just be a volunteer at a church. And I'd rather use my gifting in that way. And, and folks, let me tell you, I, I quit God's call on my life. I walked away from a calling that I had felt since I was 18 years old, high school senior going into college. And I'm telling you, I went the exact opposite direction with my job. I left the church and I started shoveling concrete. All right, and the company that I worked for, their main export is the concrete grave boxes that go down in the ground before the coffin gets lowered. So I went from a job that was all about talking about life and Jesus to a job that funds death. Uh, you know, the exact opposite. I'm working 4 o'clock to 12 o'clock. I'm out in the sun. Uh, and I, I don't say that to make it all sound bad. And actually, in a lot of ways, it was, it was kind of nice. You know, you get to work outside and, and my shoulder were getting really strong from all the shoveling. I had a nice tan going on. Uh, but through it all, through the months that I did this, though there were good parts and there were bad parts, here was the overwhelming reality is that what I was doing was not fulfilling. And that's a key word that I want you to remember, that what I was doing was not fulfilling. It wasn't fulfilling because when I quit my calling... I took my eyes and my focus completely off the Lord and the foundation that had been built for me. I decided to stop soaking up his power and I decided to do things on my own. I decided to make my own way. I chose to quit 
and walk away rather than having that resolve to crash through that quitting point. I knew all these things, but I ignored these feelings for months. I turned down ministry jobs and just kept my head down and kept shoveling. It wasn't until one day I got a voicemail from a guy named Scott Famelli. Anybody remember him? We know, we know, we, we miss and love Scott. But I get a phone call, a voicemail from Scott, and he asked if we could get together and we could talk about working together. And as the words are, are coming out of my, my voicemail box and I'm listening, I'm going, this is not going to happen. But he ended the voicemail by saying, I would love to take you out golfing and talk more about this. And in that moment, I knew it was a word from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so I had to call him back. No, no, no. But for real, the Holy Spirit did a mighty work in me. It wasn't until... It wasn't until I, I came and visited here and started to meet uh, just some of you amazing people and, and of course so many of your kids that, that I knew that, that God was really saying, okay, this season of you quitting is over. This unfulfilled season that you have been living is over. And I'm calling you back right now. I'm calling you back right now. And we're 18 months in here now, and, and some of you may or may not know this, but 18 months is the national average that a youth pastor lasts in his job at a church in America. So uh, it's also my last week here. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm going to stay here for as long as you'll put up with me. Why tell the story? Because quitting isn't fulfilling. I am happy that God can use my story now to perhaps help others. I'll end with this. Quitting isn't fulfilling, but you know what is fulfilling? It's setting aside our weaknesses and relying on his strength. Taking our stumbling human steps and relying on his perfect direction. Waiting on him and looking to him when we feel like quitting and knowing that he will renew us and make our burdens so light that we feel like we're flying Amen. using a set of wings that he has given us. And that is God's amazing promise to you that you will be fulfilled when you resolve not to quit and rely on his strength. I ask that you keep that in mind the next time you consider quitting. I'm going to close us in prayer now at the end of our service. Uh, you're more than welcome to come up here if you need prayer. I would ask that any available elders come and join me as well. If you're at that point where you are just feeling like quitting and you need someone to just put a hand on your shoulder and, and pray with you, then I would love to do that for you. But... <clears throat> One way or another, let's all pray together now. God, thank you for this time. Thank you that we can uh, come together and worship you. Thank you for the promise that you give us in your word, the multiple promises that you give us in your word, that you will grab us and hold us close when we feel like quitting. 
You will envelop us in your gentleness, your mercy, your power, your sovereignty, and so many other attributes. And, and through that, you will give us wings to fly. You will allow us to run and not grow weary. You will allow us to walk and not grow faint as we go through all of life's difficulties. God, we thank you so much for those promises. We thank you that you don't leave us when we're down. We thank you that you are with us even more when we are down. You are an amazing God, and what a privilege it is to follow you, to serve you, and to run hard after you. God, we love you, and again, we're so grateful for this opportunity, and we're so grateful that we can remember the sacrifices made for this country on this beautiful weekend. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a great weekend.